welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello and welcome aboard to Great Shot Kid, your podcast discovering the works of Star Wars creators both in and outside the Star Wars galaxy. I'm John. And I'm Mike. And with us today is special guest from the Nerd Party here on the Filibuster, and uh, also from Trek FM's Earl Gray, Lee Hutchison. Hey guys, how you doing? Thank you so much for joining us, Lee. It's just filibuster, not the filibuster. Yeah, oh, you'll right. get in trouble with that. I had to, we had to do it three <laughs> times yesterday, me and Darren. <laughs> I went, the filibuster, and he went, do it again. I went, oh, it did not come through. Filibuster. No, there you got it. It's, not, it, it's so easy. It's, I always say it as the filibuster, but it's like the filibuster with a lowercase t as opposed to a capital T. <laughs> it's sort of like it's, Rolling Stones. Nobody's ever sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, this week we are going to be discussing uh, Zero Dark Thirty, which was uh, shot by the cinematographer for Star Wars Rogue One, uh, Greg Frazier. And uh, for anybody that is unfamiliar with Zero Dark Thirty, Mike, why don't you give a synopsis? Uh, Zero Dark Thirty is a movie about uh, the woman who basically found Osama bin Laden and uh you know the the team that uh went in to kill him there you go that's it in a nutshell uh it's sort of a uh, a ranging epic covering a span of many years and posing a lot of interesting philosophical questions along the way as uh you sort of discover the tradecraft that is put into effect for modern real world spy work and uh interrogations especially in a post 9-11 world. And uh, Lee, um, why don't you go ahead and give us uh, you know, your reaction to the film? Yeah, like Zero Dark Thirty was a film that I was quite excited to see, you know, um, the, the talent involved. And I remember seeing the trailers and thinking, well, I'm totally sold on this. At the time, I remembered one of the big takeaways was like, Chris Pratt's going to be a Navy SEAL officer? Like, <laughs> that's the fat guy from Parks and Recreation, well before he kind of took off as the kind of action hero he is. I remember just sitting in the cinema and I was just absolutely blown away that I love kind of procedural movies like this where it gets really into the nitty gritty where it's all about competent people making decisions and people that are kind of not the superheroes or the big heroes but the people that are making the day-to-day bureaucracy and following through with that and I find things like that really appealing sometimes I don't know if it's from kind of following from star trek where like that's basically the day-to-day life there and i remembered always just that that kind of scene towards the end as they they have the raid and even though everyone knows how it ends my heart was just pounding away in my chest it's 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 definitely one of my favorite films of the past uh, few years and it's certainly up there i mean um me and Mike recorded an episode a few weeks ago where we talked about alternative Christmas movies and I, I put this down as an alternative Christmas movie and going by the, the tenuous thing that uh, they're making a list, they're checking it twice, they're going to find out if you've been naughty or nice, Seal, te- Seal Team 6 are coming to town. So yeah, it'll be a movie I'll be watching this Christmas to try and continue to underline this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> That and uh, yeah, that that episode of Filibuster is very much worth listening to because uh, you guys have some interesting picks. And hearing Zero Dark Thirty as a Christmas movie is yeah, that's a little bit out of left fieldly. 
I, I'm going to let you know that. That's, yeah, that's a just a tad. There. Yeah, just a little bit. But uh, what about you, Mike? What was your reaction then and your reaction now? Um, my reaction then, uh, you know, I, I was also really looking forward to it. This was like the last film of, of that year, 2012, that I, I hadn't seen that I felt like I needed to see before I could make like a top 10 list or anything. So, you know, I, I went along with my commentary track stars off topic uh, co-hosts Max and Brandon to see the midnight show at the Roosevelt Theater uh, and it was kind of awesome you know I mean it was like one of those things where yeah like like Lee because of the talent involved in particular Catherine Bigelow I was really excited you know ever since strange days I've made it a point of seeing you know Catherine Bigelow's movies the day they come out because uh, you know I I just know that they're they're the odds of them being great are are pretty pretty high and uh this movie uh certainly did not disappoint although i have to say that the more i watch it i the more i appreciate it you know i believe uh this is probably only the third time that i've seen it because it's not the type of movie where you're like yeah man uh let's uh you know get some uh you know (laughs) mickeys and and go uh mickeys sorry that's a Oak Park reference. Let's get some uh, KFC and go watch uh, Zero Dark Thirty, right? It's going to be awesome. But uh, it it is still just like riveting, like absolutely riveting. And I love how it's really sort of all about, you know, this one woman's sort of like uh, quest to, to, you know, take down bin Laden. And it's all like, basically like office drama, you know, and everything. And, and, and just like this, this single point of view throughout like the entire movie. And Jessica Chastain is so good in this movie. I mean, she is, she is just a, a total badass. And then you get to the third act and all of a sudden, I mean, we talk about gear shift movies and I, I love mm-hmm. gear shift movies. I mean, this is a great gear shift movie in that it becomes like this sort of like procedural of like, now we're going to follow this completely new set of characters and just watch step by step as they take down bin Laden, you know, like exactly what happens like every step of the way. And it, it's, fascinating it's absolutely fascinating and and i i really really do love it yeah you know this is uh one of those films where i really wish i had seen it in the theater um i i saw it when it was released on video because it had gotten so much high praise i even though yes i'm also a fan of Catherine bigelow i was in my circle of friends i was actually the rare bird to have fallen in love with strange days and purchased it on videotape and just like watch it i was like this movie's fantastic what are you guys not seeing in this right now but i was i was odd man out i feel i feel happy that i found a you know kindred spirit so many years down the line um and inadvertently i have been a fan of hers since seeing near dark uh which is possibly one of the best vampire movies ever made I still haven't seen Near Dark, I have to say. Uh, Strange I, it, Days, though. I mean, God, that movie is so good. Strange Days is how I spent... I mean, that's what I watched as the clock struck midnight on December 31st, 1999, you know? <laughs> I, I'll prepare you. Near Dark is very much an artifact of its time. Yeah. There are limitations to it where you can tell it's low budget and it's the 1980s, okay? You just roll with it. You go with it. It's got Lance Henriksen. Uh, it's got Bill Paxton. It's I mean, got it, the it, cast of Aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> uh, 
and it's uh it's really it's it's a lot of fun though it's got it's got a great spirit and she's i mean bigelow is a she's a terrific director she really is and one of the things that struck me about watching it this time and i guess the you know the reason that we're discussing it now is yes i was caught up in it yes the direction the pacing the editing everything was wonderful but i you know because we are paying attention to it because the cinematographer worked on rogue one the shots in this movie are just amazing the way that the colors balance the way that the camera moves the way that the shadows play the way that, like everything about it this is one of those films where even with my somewhat limited knowledge of how everything works behind the camera i can watch this and i can say wow i understand what he did to make it look like this like i i might not be able to tell you how to operate the camera or put the filter on lens but I know there was, I can tell somebody was, you know, a great amount of work went into this. And so far as, you know, the Rogue One trailers, because, you know, as we record this, it hasn't come out yet. There were certain shots where I could see hallmarks where, where they're standing in front of the giant video screens. And I'm like, oh, gosh, that looks just like that shot from Rogue One. Like, it, I, I sort of tied together why. Now, uh, Lee, in, in terms of the look of it, is there anything that jumped out to you about this you know yeah. going through it i remembered time. watching it kind of the first time on the big screen and like obviously the kind of the last like 30 minutes is all kind of under this green filter and you, you're just watching you think oh yeah that's something they did in post and then you watch it again at home and you think wow that, that's just so realistic and you, you kind of like i'm the same as you i kind of like dig into these things it's not one thing to watch the movie you know how did this get made and then to find out that they kind of they it was something they did genuinely they shot it on um, on infrared that they put the I just think it's brilliant and it sums up kind of an art in filmmaking that's been lost and um, is that they took the infrared cameras that they'd used in the embassy scenes and put them on top of the guns and like they used what was originally just a prop a throwaway prop to help light and shoot the sequence and i just think that's brilliant and i think like for people like greg frazier and Catherine bigelow you, you're mentioning their kind of the the vampire movie so many directors you know james cameron is a key example so many of these directors you know your peter jackson's all made their start in these kind of horror movies these diys where you had to make use of everything you got and everything couldn't just be used once it had to have multiple purposes and i think that's something that directors have lost and you can see that you can imagine the conversation between Greg Fraser, Catherine Bigelow. How are we going to do this? What about those cameras that we used on that set? And it's having that mentality where you can improvise, develop skills and use things again and again and get your money's worth out of it. Because it seems like it was a real shoot where they just went out there at times and they, like, if they got a good shot, they would go out there and film it. And it's been able to improvise and be smart with what you've got. And I think that's incredibly well shown in the behind the scenes, you know, techniques that look effortless on the big screen. Now, in terms of, you know, those techniques and efforts, Mike, um, we were talking recently about presentation and, and filming formats. And in terms of the, basically the, the question is, do you think that Fraser's decision-making and comfort with digital cameras is what got him the job on Rogue One, as demonstrated by what he did with Zero Dark Thirty? Um, I don't necessarily know if that's the case. I think maybe, you know, the fact that he did this sort of like gritty, you know, war 
movie, you know, but one which was extremely glossy. I think that that might have had something to do with it. Um, I mean, this this was. I mean, the movie was it. Is it was it shot on film or was it shot on digital? It was shot digital. on digital. Yeah, digital. Yeah. right. Yeah, and and it, but it has that that sort of like filmic look to it in a sense, you know, which is um, something that I think they were definitely going for with Rogue One. Like they just had all those the the, the press conferences and stuff last last weekend, and one of the things that they kept on talking about was how they were trying to. Uh, replicate, you know, the look of a 70s movies while still taking full advantage of today's technology, you know. Mm -hmm. And I really sort of like get that impression from Zero Dark Thirty. I mean, one of the things that really stands out to me is like the lighting and everything like that. And the image quality is like spot on. It's, It's like pristine, you know. And yet, like the movement and the compositions and everything are like very very gritty almost like documentary in feel you know and there's that that contrast you know that like beautiful imagery shot like very sort of like down and dirty you know what i mean i i, I don't know the, the the contrast there i think it is really really striking and it's one of the reasons why i think the the photography in this movie is a standout you know not to mention the fact that you know he does definitely make a shift when it gets to that final act with you know the infrared cameras and everything and also when they're not using the infrared cam- cameras i love that they're not afraid to just let things be dark you know, I mean, there's some yeah. shots in there where it's like black on black, you know. Yeah, the, the helicopters flying out to the, the final hit. Right. Like, like you have to sit there and like, you know, there were a couple of shots where I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, I can see everything. Right. But yeah. It, you could still see everything, but it wasn't you, you didn't have that fake nighttime blue light shining on everything right it wasn't day for night or anything like that and it it wasn't like artificially lit you know with a bunch of you know like extra you know lights or whatever at least it didn't look like that and i think that that's one of the things which seems striking about the the rogue one footage that we've seen and you know all the stuff all the people who saw you know parts of the movie you know coming out and, and talking about it it's like you know, they, they keep on talking about how it feels like a war movie, how it doesn't look like any other Star Wars movies, and yet it feels like a Star Wars movie in, in some ways. And, and I think that that's, that's really interesting, you know, and, and I think that it's, it's telling as to why they, they got Frazier and, and, and kind of like shows where Frazier's talents lie, you know. He was, he's able to find that balance between, you know, the epic blockbuster of Star Wars and the gritty, you know, reality of a war movie of apocalypse well not apocalypse now but you know a, a war movie sure um, sure and i i think that 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 really really works and i can't wait to see what it looks like in rogue one you made a good point john about the the darkness where you, you see those two helicopters and it strikes you i remember sitting in the cinema thinking oh have they left the 3d filter or something on it seems a bit <laughs> un, unnaturally dark and it's one of those things that i think it captures really well that if you're in a desert we always have this idea where, you know, the, the moon is always out and it's shining down on things. But there's it, it feels at times where maybe that moon just isn't shining and everything seems quite soft. That you walk in a kind of desert and everything doesn't kind of have 
or is that kind of defined edges that you would expect from the moon and it's sometimes it's just naturally a soft place to kind of just walk through those kind of those deserts those kind of woodland areas that you know i'm kind of lucky to live in that kind of area yeah the woodland aspect that is and i think that is a really good representation of what it is like to be in that kind of darkness sometimes it's it's darkness it's still it's not everything is always illuminated by the moon and i think that was a great representation it would have been so easy to put the volume up just a few bits but they they kept it to that realistic look that they have running through this entire film now you know dan mandel got justifiable praise for his work on the force awakens but uh to speak to and you know i'm paraphrasing here to speak to a point that i think mike and i have discussed like he's a cinematographer known for adapting to the director's style And I guess, you know, any cinematographer that's going to work nicely with a director, that's going to be true. And we could have fun stories about how Gil Taylor and George Lucas wanted to kill each other during the original Star Wars. And, you know, (laughs) what what fun stories those would be. But in terms of that, Mindell got great praise for, you know, creating a look and feel that that was very much Abrams. Do you think that there's any um, any sort of thread that. Uh, you know, this in a sense is Frazier is going to wind up getting more praise for Rogue One than Edwards will because everybody knows about the re, you know, that you know, reworking certain parts of the script and Gilroy coming in and everything like that. But do you think that the, the praise will shift toward Frazier's work at the expense of Edwards? I don't really think so. I mean, because for one thing, uh, people tend to give praise to directors, right? I mean, that's the old thing that they say, like, if if the movie's good, it's because the director's brilliant. And if the movie sucks, it's because the writer's a hack, right? I mean... <laughs> okay, good point, <laughs> um, good point. So, I mean, I really do think that Edwards will receive, you know, the bulk of the praise, especially when you look at, you know, his previous work. Like, we, we talked about Godzilla and how that mm-hmm. has the, the same sort of, like, gritty feel that, that you know, we're talking about with um, Zero Dark Thirty, even though it is a different cinematographer, you know? And, I mean, you know, Frazier, while obviously this is something that he's good at, you know, having done Zero Dark Thirty, he does have, you know, range, and I think he is able to adapt to director's styles. You know, he he shot Foxcatcher for... um, Mm. Bennett Miller. There you go. Bennett Miller, the the Moneyball guy. And then he also shot The Gambler for Rupert Wyatt. Uh, and both of those movies look fantastic and, and have their own sort of unique uh, styles as well. Um, so, you know, I, I think that he, you know, a Dan Mandel movie, you know, it has certain trademarks and, and a Greg Frazier movie certainly has certain trademarks. Uh, but I think that he's also able to uh, adapt his style to what, the the film and the filmmaker needs and i think here you know zero dark 30 and you know rogue one don't seem to be very far away from each other but Mm -hmm. neither do you know godzilla and rogue one so i think it's kind of like a happy marriage i think that it's it's a good partnership for sure for 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 me i think actually the the thread is that um have you guys ever seen uh, gareth edwards first movie monster I haven't. I have it on my list of I, movies to watch. I have not. <laughs> God, you guys, honestly. No, I know, I know. That's why we um, should have our yes. I th- I think you'll. I think there's an an element that um, 
uh, like that monsters was kind of how i first kind of knew of gareth edwards and i think how the kind of well a certain part of the kind of the you know geeks kind of find out about him and i remember there was a lot of hype coming out of kind of monsters like it was it was very much diy they they did all the effects on their own they just went out there with cameras recorded things and kind of built like the cgi around that they would go out into kind of the i, I can't remember was it like south america or something like that they would go out there, film, and then they go, oh, we've got something brilliant here. Let's put in a kind of monster effect there in the background. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant movie, and I, I was really lucky. I, I mean, that was a good few years ago now. I was really lucky at the time um, to be in his presence when he was at like a kind of small film convention event where he was talking about monsters, and then he did like a Q&A afterwards. And, and he was he was such a brilliant, articulate guy, and he was one of those people like you, you, you spend time in that company and you think, God, this this guy's really on the ball. And, I, you know, Godzilla, I think it had its flaws, but I was happy for him. And then when he was announced for Rogue One, I was like, that makes perfect sense. And I think the, the reason I think Greg Frazier kind of has ended up especially on Rogue One, is that I think Gareth Edwards and Greg Frazier have a lot in common. When we think of kind of the shooting process for Zero Dark Thirty, they were out there kind of in the desert. They were, that was why they, like, Greg Fraser until then had always shot on film. They, they had practiced, like, you know, shooting this up with 35mm um, or, and, you know, it, they had some pros and cons to it, but they ultimately felt it wasn't going to be practical to go out into the desert, have to have all this film stock maybe run out of film stock or maybe they would go out there and they would see a beautiful sunset or they would capture a really nice moonlight or something along those lines and they wouldn't have the time to set it up and they would lose it so while they were in jordan they made the decision we're going to go digital they made the comparison and i think greg fraser wasn't overly enthusiastic perhaps about it but i think he accepted it was it was part of the best decision for making this film and i think that echoes a lot with what I would see in kind of Gareth Edwards making monsters that they both went out there into the kind of wilderness whether it was Jordan whether it was South America and they wanted to get a camera where they could capture all this natural beauty all this visual sights all these sorts of things that film just wouldn't allow them to do that they would have to you know light film in a certain way that's not always possible out there in the desert it's not always possible out there in kind of the rainforests so i think there's a lot of kind of comparison between greg fraser's journey on zero dark 30 and gareth edwards on monsters and i really feel that that's that thread between the two of them is perhaps why i think they're going to be such a really good team together from their experiences and their understanding of how to use digital and film yeah, that, that that sounds good. That's a good point. That's you know, point. I I, uh, I have so many movies that I have to watch for various podcasts <laughs> this month that I actually made a list of one movie a day for the entire month. And I wow. can tell you right now, Monsters is December thirteenth. I got it's on it's on Amazon Prime, I think. So Monsters is December thirteenth. That'll be the last movie I watch before seeing Rogue One. So. Believe me, and I feel ashamed that I have not seen Monsters, but I'm 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 gonna get to it. I'm looking sure. at the back of the Blu-ray just now, and it's got a four-star review that says "ET exceptionally terrific." So with a pun like that, you've got to be confident. You can't miss, man. Film. You no. can't miss. Yeah. Uh, now, it's sort of like sort of like a final question. Like you know, I, I'd mentioned how in in the Rogue One trailer you see a shot that you know basically looks like you know. Uh, you know, they just transposed something that happened in Zero Dark Thirty over into uh, a Star Wars film, you know, standing in front of the giant screen. So obviously, 
uh, Fraser has managed to, you know, work out or, you know, collaborate with Edwards to have a couple of, you know, trademarks where you can look one to one and say, oh, yeah, that's that's a Greg Fraser thing that he did. Are there any other hallmarks you're hoping he brings over, um, you know, about the color palette, about the saturations, anything like that from Zero Dark Thirty or what you saw him do in Zero Dark Thirty into Rogue One? I think I'm almost expecting him to kind of, while have the spirit of Zero Dark Thirty, to take that to kind of the next level. That I think what works really well for Zero Dark Thirty, this procedural thing, I, I, while I would pay good money to watch a procedural Star Wars movie, I'm one of those people I'd love to see a West Wing version of Star Wars. Um, I think what he's going to do is to kind of take Zero Dark Thirty and kind of build upon that to what it would be expected in the Star Wars universe that I think there'll be elements that he will play with that will be very similar to Zero Dark Thirty. But I think with the Star Wars, you've got so many exciting elements that it's larger than life. And I think that while it works really well for Zero Dark Thirty, that wouldn't transfer well to Star Wars for the general public. And with so much pressure riding on this movie, and I was at Star Wars Celebration and I got to watch the footage and, and like what I get from that is something that's grounded in realism, but it's got all the hallmarks of Star Wars, that kind of the robots, the the big battles, everything like that. And I feel that they've really kept a lot of that hidden. So I think that it, once we've kind of seen this film, we'll see whether they have gone down that zero dark 30 path with the, the style, the cinematography, or whether they've used that as a template and then, thrown out there given it the star wars treatment and made it truly larger than life mike yeah i I pretty much agree with that i mean i think like if if i'm hoping for something you know like you're kind of saying with you know like the west wing of star wars and everything like that i i think that i would like to see fraser take the same approach to rogue one that he took to zero dark 30 where he's like you know these are you know, r- real events, and I'm going to portray them as realistically as possible, but inside of a, you know, motion picture, you know, you know what I mean? So, I mean, the idea of, you know, sort of like not catering to the Star Wars-ness of Rogue One, and just saying, like, we're trying to do something, we're trying to present, like, a, a realistic portrayal of something which is, you know, sort of like fantastic in nature. I think that that's a really interesting, you know, aesthetic to to go with for for this type of content. And I think that it would create a a very visceral movie. And I guess that's kind of what I'm hoping for when I I see, you know, what what it looks like they're doing on Rogue One. For for me, what I'm hoping for, in all honesty, is and I think we'll get this at least in, you know, sort of the battle scenes is for me, you know, each director has left their own sort of stamp on things. I want to see not just an embrace of what Lucas sort of played with a bit in the uh, the giant ground battle in Attack of the Clones, with you know, with some of the camera movements there. But I think that Frazier and you know and Edwards working together, obviously, and looking at Zero Dark Thirty, I think that there's a great opportunity to see something with a little bit more of a what what I would call a polished handheld feel in a Star Wars film as opposed like even if you go to the Force Awakens the camera is used in a different way than any previous Star Wars film you know he he dutches the camera he has certain camera movements very Spielbergian sort of stuff uh but in an Abrams fashion 
Whereas this, I want to see something where it's not as locked. It doesn't feel as tracked or as controlled. And I, I think we'll get there. It, you know, I, I really do. I mean, based on what I've seen, and I've been on sort of a lockdown, but based on what I've seen, we're going to see an embrace of that at least in the battle scenes. You know, to, to do like you said, Mike, where that it's, you know, this is really happening and I'm just translating it for you onto the screen. And I think so. one thing that's going to be really fascinating as well, um, that I'm the same as you since Star Wars Celebration, I've just gone into total lockdown, a, a book about it, articles about it, don't care, don't want to read it, your trailers, your TV spots, don't care. Yeah. But like, you, you, no one can ignore that they, they clearly are pinning that there's going to be a big battle on a beach, it's on a poster, It's there's been the briefest of clips in the trailer. And I think that's going to be an interesting contrast to Zero Dark Thirty where the action all took place in night under you know the moon in that tight confined space and i'm curious to see how he's going to translate that too because that beach stuff looks like it's in you know lunchtime bright sun and i'm really curious to see that transition from night to day how he's going to shoot that how he's going to light that and i think it could be could be very interesting that i often think some of the best battles in kind of movie history lately have been ones that have been shot at nighttime the two towers for example zero dark Mm. 30 and i'm curious to see a daytime battle what what that's going to look like and i think that'll be quite a change from for star wars um, and and for for fraser himself yeah yeah no so uh you know final thoughts on the film uh mike we'll start with you any final thoughts i do have a final thought and this is something which you know okay there's a moment in the movie right i love the movie as is right and one of the reasons why i love it is because it is super realistic you know it doesn't cater to the audience at all it doesn't try to explain what they're talking about it just uses you know the terminology as they would use this and lets the audience sort of catch up you know and then you get to the end and it has this extremely realistic portrayal of you know how they killed bin laden theoretically and you know i mean assuming that you know because obviously we don't know for sure what happened but you know whatever uh, assuming that their sources are it wasn't a tickle fight yeah so so um there's a moment in the movie right where you know mark strong goes into the white house and he's trying to convince the white house to to do this to get bin laden right and the white house guy is like i'm not saying that we're going to do it but if we were to do it, how would we do it? Come up with some options, right? And then it yeah. cuts to an overhead shot of this Air Force base, and it says Area 51, right? <laughs> now, yeah. I don't know what your reaction to that was, but when I saw that in the theater, my reaction was like, oh, my God, <laughs> alien technology? <laughs> they used alien technology to take down bin Laden? And... Then it it turns out that's not the case. But can you imagine an alternate version of this movie where (laughs) everything up to that point is exactly the same? But then when they bring in that, you know, SEAL Team Six and they're like, okay, guys, instead of saying, like, here's a helicopter with a really quiet motor, you know, they're like, here's a ufo that crash landed and we're going to be flying this ufo and then you guys are going to take these uh these ray guns and you're going to use those to grab bin laden and then they just did that tell me that wouldn't be the best movie ever made (laughs) yeah you've got my money i'll crowdfund you okay sure no you you've pitched me on it that's that that works that works that's my that's my only thought my only final thought okay i i love i love that the only thing I'll say is that uh, 
I, I didn't write a review at the time, the first time I saw it, but I did write a one-line review uh, for this over on Letterboxd when I rewatched it. And it, I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was basically, this is, in fact, a perfect film. There, this, this is one of those films where I watch it and I feel like actual perfection was achieved for what they were trying to do. Like, I, there isn't a single thing where I walk out and I say... Oh, that was great, but you know, it, you know, except for that one part. But that's okay. I, I can overlook that. Like, there's nothing in this, and even having seen it before, rewatching it this time, I was still unable to turn it off. I was completely glued to the screen, and that has everything to do with look and feel and editing and direction and acting and everything. It, it's just, it is just a perfect film. Lee, what about you? Yeah, um, it's a perfect Christmas film. It's a perfect film <laughs> in general. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I've, I definitely think, you know, while we're playing kind of fantasy role play here, um, have any of you guys seen Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stop, Never Stopping? No. no that's on my list for January. Okay. But I am a big Sandberg fan. There's a, a song in it called, um, well, it's kind of, it's a bit of a rude title, but it's all about like this relationship this guy ends up in where the woman wants the relationship, you know, the the romance to be acted out like SEAL Team 6 coming in. And lyrically, <laughs> I want to see a mashup video. And I, I, there's barely any part of that song I can quote um, <laughs> where I, you know, listen to the song, you'll find it on YouTube, where I'd like to see a mashup of that song with the Zero Dark Thirty imagery. It would be brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, like with Zero Dark Thirty, I think it's, it's one of the, the most perfect films in the past few years for, for that type of genre. It's it's just an incredible testament to, to the filmmaking, the talent, and um, as I say, the idea of watching a, a Star Wars movie where it's that grittiness, where it's it's completely played for real and it feels like we've just kind of whereas we, we we watch star wars and we think we're watching these grand epic movies the idea of watching a star wars war movie is totally exciting to this star wars fan and um i said you know two years ago and i, I don't mean it in a slight on force awakens whatsoever because it's an amazing achievement i was like rogue one will be the better of the two films i have i just had a feeling all along and while i've been in total lockdown for this movie i'm, I'm so isolated from the hype i'm more calm for this movie than i was by any stretch for the force awakens i'm so confident in this movie and i'm really excited to next what wednesday night we get a day before the americans to sit down and watch this movie and to finally watch it like i feel like i've been on a journey with this movie you know i i, I i'll sit there on that night and think that like this was the movie i had to wait like 10 hours on a f concrete floor to get a band to go into the you know the the press conference at star wars celebration and it feels like it's the end of this kind of whole disney thing for me just now yeah there's gonna be other movies but this one I, i've been more emotionally invested in in terms of a journey so i'm excited to see what these guys do and i'm genuinely gonna be so surprised by what happens with this movie i'm i'm i can't wait it's gonna be over soon yeah, I you know I, I think uh, I think that's a, a great way to encapsulate it. I think we are I, you know especially after watching Zero Dark Thirty, genuinely excited to see what they do with this film. And we would also be genuinely excited to hear from anybody in the audience. Uh, reach out to us at thenerdparty.com/slash/contact. Look up Great Shot Kid. Drop us a line. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're hoping for Rogue One, and uh, you know what what you thought of Zero Dark Thirty. We'd love to hear from you. 
And so long as you're over there, you can reach out to the Nerd Party over on Twitter at Join Nerd Party. You can speak to any of us, really, uh, you know, anything about any of the shows and uh, let us know what you're thinking. And so long as you're online, so long as you're on the Internet, you can go over to LootCrate.com slash Nerd Party and go ahead and sign yourself up for a subscription for a really neat uh, service where what they do is they send you a little box of goodies once a month. Uh, exclusives, T-shirts, collectibles, drinking glasses, hats—you know, you name it—they they throw in a uh, you know a little mishmash of this every single month. You'll get a discount if you go to lootcrate.com/nerdparty. Enter the code nerdparty at checkout. You won't regret it. And they have a theme every month. This month's theme is the revolution, and nothing more revolutionary than trying to overthrow the galactic empire and destroy its big toy. So. Uh, Guys, we, I'm right here. I don't think it's very fair to reference to the wars of independence like that. Hey, you know, I <laughs> I gotta say, you know, like Bart Simpson said, uh, the American Revolution was one of the few good wars uh, in the history of humanity. So, uh, with that said, Lee, uh, where can people reach you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Lee underscore Nostromo. You can find me on the Filibuster podcast, continuing to make the pitch for Zero Dark Thirty as the Christmas movie we all need to watch this year. And you can find me on Trek FM talking about Star Trek The Next Generation on Earl Grey. Mike, where can they find you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K and you can also find me over on Trek FM producing a show called uh, From There to Here where we look at every single episode of Star Trek. And uh, you can also find me on a show on Trek FM called Stage 9, where we talk about uh, the people who make Star Trek, along with yes. John Mills. He's a delightful fellow. He's a delightful fellow. Uh, yeah, I, I'm over on Stage 9 on Trek FM with Mike. Uh, you can also find me here on the Nerd Party Network with uh, Matt Rushing doing Aggressive Negotiations, which is a Star Wars podcast, but we we look at the really... The, the nitty-gritty, tiny kernel weird stuff uh, having to do with Star Wars and Star Wars exclusively. And you can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig Sorrell. Uh, oh, and I'm Castle Junkie Online. So uh, thank you for joining us. Lee, thank you so much for taking part in this conversation. We greatly appreciate it, and it's been really fun. And uh, join us next time when we're talking about... Rogue One! <laughs> <laughs>